Pastor Ray Bentley is looking for courageous Christians. Where is the disciple of Jesus that can say, I'm gonna go to this situation, I'm gonna go into this culture, I'm gonna go into this environment, and I'm going to shine unashamedly my life for Jesus, knowing that I'll be hurt, knowing I will be rejected, but also knowing the day will come when some of those standing there mocking will be my brother and sister in Christ for all of eternity. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. The early disciples shared their faith passionately, even though it meant imprisonment, beatings, and even death. We face far less persecution, but it's still a challenge to share the gospel in hostile circumstances. Today, Pastor Ray helps us have boldness and courage mixed with discretion and grace. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's open them to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. And the title of the message is Tender Mercies and Steel Commitment. Let's begin with verse 46. Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them, the disciples, would be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me. Jesus put himself on the level, not of a powerful king, great leader, shepherd, monarch, politician, whatever. He's, he puts himself on the level. If you receive a little child, then you have received me. He puts himself down in that sense, humbles himself on the level of a little child. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. So now he not only humbles himself to the level of a child, he brings his father down to the lowest level as well. Whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. That's the father. For he who is least among you will be great. The true picture of greatness is found in a little child. And if you're writing notes tonight, let me give you some words to help define. What does that mean that, you know, to be like a little child is to be great? Let me give you some words to help define that. Number one, helpless. Little child, you know, it's kind of, they're, they're, another word is dependent. This is where true greatness lies. Thirdly, without status. It's just a child. They have no influence, no power. They don't even know anything yet. The adults look and talk right over their little heads. Fourthly, children living by faith or trust. That's what true greatness is. A helplessness, a dependence, not needing any status, and totally living by faith or trust. That is true greatness. Now, verse 49 and 50. If that was a call by Jesus in verses uh, 46, 47, 48, hey, you guys need to love one another. Knock off this selfishness. Now he begins to say and call them to love those outside the group of the disciples. Verse 49, now John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. 
And we forbade him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. Here the disciples show a lack of love for those who are outside the group. And in fact, I wonder if John wasn't expecting the Lord to be kind of impressed with him. Hey, I'm trying to defend the Lord. I'm trying to protect the Lord. They aren't walking with Jesus and they haven't been commissioned by Jesus and they have no business doing this in Jesus' name. And I'm loyal to you, Jesus, and I'm gonna be passionate and protect your name. And I think John was expecting Jesus to be impressed. Guess what? Jesus was not impressed. And in fact, what he basically says to John is, John, I don't need you to protect me. <laughs> I don't need that. And here is a great lesson. If we think our group is the only group that's with it, that has it all together, we're the only ones really being used of the Lord, we're somehow a little above or better than other groups, and in fact, we know that what we're doing is the right way, and therefore we forbid others of doing anything in Jesus' name, that spells P-R-I-D-E, pride. And we will be in for a big surprise. When we get to heaven, and find out there are many other groups outside of ours that God has used and called and blessed and anointed and that he is quite blessed with. It's not just humble. You know what humility really is? It's just being honest. We're not the only game in town. We're not, this is not the only way to do ministry. This is not the only way to do worship. This is not the only, you know, we don't have all the answers. We can say, yes, we have the answers in God's word, but we're just one way that God has manifest himself. And there's a body with many members and many parts. Jesus' answer was, do not stop him. If he's not against us, he's for us. And Jesus has a word for us, and this word would take away many so-called ministries in modern times away that people have taken upon themselves self-proclaimed. In fact, they feel that it is their ministry to go around stopping other ministries that are not doing it in the way that they would perceive as being right. Now there's one thing to do apologetics and there's one thing to compare scripture with scripture and, and we should iron sharpens iron. I'm not saying that. But sometimes, would you not agree we can get too nitpicky, too harsh, too critical, and we have to follow the example of the disciples here, we can actually be denying those whom the Lord would say, stop, don't forbid them, because I am with them as I am with you. So if we think we're the only group that God recognizes and blesses, we're gonna be in for a shock when we get to heaven. And the root of this, again, is the sin of pride. They considered exorcism as their exclusive ministry. Only we 12 on the planet Earth can exercise demons in the name of Jesus. Well, that's not only prideful in its being exclusive, but you know, there's a lot more people on the planet that need help, amen? The Lord is saying, I need and will take and receive those who do in my name all the help that I can get. Now, I wanna share with you something. God loves you, God has a plan for you, God has, has called you and gifted you and anointed you for a particular ministry and place within the body of Christ. 
But a big part of our calling is to raise up others even above ourselves. And in fact, those who are willing tonight and you really truly desire to serve the Lord the most and be the most fruitful and have the most fruit that remains and be the most successful in ministry should make it your aim that others who follow you would be more fruitful and more successful than you. And in fact, I would say that God has arranged all of our lives in such a way that at some point, surely someone will follow you who is better or more talented or more gifted or more able or more fruitful or just more and more. And when you reach that, rather than jealousy and rather than envy and rather than whatever, you say yes, because that's the final test. It's not how much God can do through me, but it's how much you know, those after me can do more than me. To truly win is to recognize that test and rejoice in others' success and fruitfulness. And in fact, the, the prime example is none other than Jesus Christ himself. John chapter 14, verse 12 is in your notes. Let's read this scripture out loud together. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus is the incarnation of God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh, and yet he is telling his disciples, I am telling you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing, and he will do even greater things than these. And that doesn't make Jesus less than God, less than Messiah, less than King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but it shows not only his humility, but his character and an example of what true ministry is all about. You're gonna do even greater things. And so also now we do things today that succeed and, and go beyond what Paul did through radio, through television, through other means that you can reach even more people than he did. That's the point, that's the goal. In fact, you are getting more spiritual, if I might say, by doing less and being multiplied through others. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. Pastor Ray was my pastor, and my heart hurt when I found out that he was gone from our presence. I know that he is greatly missed by so many. I always appreciated how he took time to talk to people. He was just so kind and full of love. I considered him not just my pastor, but my friend. And I'm thankful that this is not goodbye, as we will see him again in heaven someday. Listener comments are so encouraging. If you'd like to express your thoughts and tell us how these messages have impacted your life, would you take just 60 seconds and write an email? Send it to ray at raybentley.com or post it on our homepage at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. I want you to look verses 51 through 62. We'll just look at this 
These are lessons now on the road. We are at, a, at this point at the end of chapter nine here, we are on our way to Jerusalem. It's a turning point in the book of Luke. From this point forward, Jesus is on the road teaching, sharing with his disciples. And what's on Jesus' mind is Jerusalem, where he will be betrayed, where he will express his passion, where he will die, where he will be resurrected, and where he will ascend up into heaven. And as they're on the road, he's focusing on that. And the first thing Jesus prepares us when you follow Christ and you pick up your cross and follow him is you've got to be ready and prepared to deal with rejection along that road. And so verse 51, it says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But notice verse 53, they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He comes into Samaria. The Samaritans were those who had been left behind when the Jews went to Babylon and they intermarried with some of the Assyrian peoples who had been their captors. So they were kind of half Jewish and half not, which to the Jews was you're not. And then because they were half Jewish and half Assyrian, they mingled a little bit of Judaism and a little of the Assyrian religion and they mixed it all up and, and they didn't have it right. They built a rival temple to Jerusalem in Mount Gerizim, which you've read about in the scriptures. They published their own version of the Old Testament. They formed their own rival liturgy. And if that wasn't bad enough, you know, how did the Jews respond to that? The Jews prayed daily. If you were a religious Jew in your temple, you would pray daily that the Samaritans would not enter eternal life. Please, we pray, Jehovah, that you will keep all Samaritans out of heaven and eternal life. They despise them. So this went back and forth for generations. They hated each other. And then eventually, and because the Jews would always curse them and pray that they wouldn't enter into heaven, some Samaritans snuck into the temple in Jerusalem and threw bones around inside of the temple to desecrate it, which only made the Jews, oh, you know, hate them more. So little time, so many Samaritans to hate was, you know, a kind of a motto. <laughs> and so now Jesus goes in and he is rejected by the Samaritans. Why did Jesus go to the Samaritan village in the first place? Didn't he know how they would respond to him? What? You're bypassing our great temple in Mount Gerizim and you're going to go to Jerusalem? You're just like all the other Jews and so we reject you. Listen very carefully. Jesus went to Samaria because the heart of the Father loved the Samaritans and wanted the Samaritans to be saved. Jesus went to Samaria knowing that when he went, he would not be received. He knew that he would be rejected. But Jesus also knew that after I go to Jerusalem, 
after I am died and buried and resurrect and ascend. And when I pour my Holy Spirit out in Jerusalem, the gospel will go from Jerusalem and then to Judea. And then where? Samaria. Jesus, knowing the, the move of the Holy Spirit, was planting a seed because some of probably those same Samaritans that rejected him and had the anger come out in them and their hurt feelings, and yet even knowing that rejection, the Messiah looked them in the eye and knew one day, you will remember, one day the Holy Spirit will come upon you, one day, and their heart will be touched when they hear the gospel. And the apostles come back to Samaria and they say, we're not here to curse you. And in fact, we don't pray that you don't enter heaven. We want you to enter heaven. Jesus, who came and walked through your village and visited you. And remember the Samaritan woman. He is now alive. He is risen. He is the Messiah. And the Samaritans, a revival broke out. What if God calls you to place and you know that when you first go there, they're not going to like me and they're going to reject me. There's a lot of Christians that won't you know, openly share their faith or be a witness in an environment or in a culture or in a group that if you do, they're gonna shut you down, shout you down, make fun of you, you're on the outs or whatever. Where is the disciple of Jesus that can say, I'm gonna go to this situation, I'm gonna go into this culture, I'm gonna go into this environment and I'm going to shine unashamedly my light for Jesus knowing that I'll be hurt knowing I will be rejected, but also knowing the day will come when some of those standing there mocking will be my brother and sister in Christ for all of eternity. What's wrong with a little bit of humiliation, a little bit of rejection, and, and you're really facing the devil down, backing down the enemy and all the rejection and saying, I'm planting a seed. When Christ put his feet there, it was like claiming ground. The Messiah walked on Samaria. He said, this belongs to the Lord. Amen? Amen? So the ethic of the kingdom is one of mercy and not God bring fire and judgment. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That's the example that Jesus gave. And then closing. Verses 57 through 62, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And here's where Jesus now asks for steel commitment to be his disciple. Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father which again, the culture was, it didn't mean his dad was dead and I wanna to go to the funeral and then come follow you in a few hours. What it meant was, I wanna wait with my dad until my dad dies and then inherit all of his lands and then I will come follow you. Might be years down the road. Jesus said, no. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and bid them farewell who are at my house. That seems even closer at hand. In other words, let me go save face and say goodbye to everybody and maybe, you know, this was again a little bit drawn out, more than we can imagine just going and waving and following Jesus, but still, it's shorter than waiting for a father to die. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back 
is fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, as I have put here in your notes, to walk with Jesus is a life filled with intense urgency. That you are walking with the Lord and you are on the road and you know, life is about following Christ and you are devoted to him and you are zealous about him and you are sharing him and witnessing of him. And you and I have the words of eternal life when we have the gospel and have Jesus. Life is short. There is so little time and the whole world needs to hear. And I believe that now is the day, now is the time, now is the hour. If you have anyone in your family, any one of your friends, you have any sense of, and I hope you feel the sense of urgency, share with people about Jesus. Time is short. Life is short. We don't have long for this world. Give everything that you have for him. Have a steel commitment. Have a merciful and tender heart towards all. Be willing to get out of your comfort zone and be like salt and light. Penetrate this world, penetrate this culture and all levels, and wherever God has you, and stand and shine for Jesus Christ. Are you willing to do that? We need it. How many feel a sense of urgency with all that's going on in the world? Man, I'm telling you. I don't know if it's winding up or winding down, but it's winding. <laughs> it is winding. Um, I hope that you will, you know, with joy, let go of, you know, worldly ambition, worldly anxieties, and worldly fears. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Walk in the Holy Spirit. Uh, love people. Be merciful to all. We are not here as God's agents to set fire on people and judge people and condemn people. We have the only good news going. The only good news. The answer is no longer political. The answer is no longer economical. There are no answers. There are no leaders for the answers of that. There's only Jesus is the answer. And that's what you start off with. Jesus is the answer. Now, what is your question? He is the answer for everything. And Jesus is the way, and he is the life, and he is the truth. Know him, love him, follow him, cling to him, because everything else is sand. But Jesus is a rock. And those who will cling to him with a tender heart and with a steely conviction will find an inner peace and joy and satisfaction and our, our goal and mission and calling is to raise up others, as many others as we can, as fast as we can in front of us. Go kids, run. You know, rejoice. Find your talents, your gifts, your abilities. I love you, I pray for you, I bless you in the name of the Lord. That's what we are called to do for those in our sphere of influence. Pastor Ray Bentley, pointing out our job as believers to share Christ with those around us, to be faithful to that task in this critical time. Now, today's study here on Maranatha Radio is titled Tender Mercies and Steel Commitment. If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com.
We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his new book called The Final Witness, an eye-opening prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full five-book series called The Elijah Chronicles. You can, too. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.